Hi, and welcome to the East Cobb Presbyterian Church Student Ministry Podcast, where all lessons from your junior high leaders, youth staff members, and discipleship group leaders are available. We pray that this podcast will bless you and grow you in your knowledge and love of Jesus. Keep listening for this week's message. Really happy that y'all that y'all are all here. That's hard to say. Um, we are continuing our series in the attributes of God. So last week, if you remember, I talked about the incommunicable attributes of God. Does anyone remember what the word incommunicable means? You can raise your hand if you do. Brianna looks like she's really thinking. You're really close. Yeah. Okay. I, from God, but it's not like that. Yeah. Okay. So she said, yeah. So they're the traits that show us how separate we are from God in a good way. Calvin, what were you gonna say? Traits that we don't share with God. Yeah. Traits that we yeah. The, the attributes that we do not share with God. So tonight we're gonna be talking about how God is our creator, and there is a sheet for you guys to follow with the scripture that we're gonna be doing as well as some quotes on there and then like the three main applications from what we're going to be talking about. So I encourage y'all to follow along as I read. But before we get started, I'm going to pray for us again real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to open your word and to be able to learn more about you and just commune with you while we read it, God. Um, thank you that there is an unending amount of things to uncover and that we'll never have fully get to the bottom of who you are, which is amazing. Lord, I just thank you for every student here, and I ask that you will open all of our hearts and minds and souls just to, um, to be changed by what we're about to learn. I pray that you'll convict and encourage us Lord, I pray that you will please speak through me, God. I have nothing good to say if it is not from you. Um, Lord, you know that I am weak and sinful, and the only good that comes from me is from you. So please uh, speak through me now and give me wisdom. And I just pray that you'll be glorified and that uh, you will help us to walk away from this time knowing and loving you more. It's in your son's name we pray all these things. Alright, so like I said, last week was the incommunicable attributes of God, and this week we're learning about God being our creator. So the title for this talk is Our Creator God. And one of the main points that I want us to take away from tonight is a quote by John Piper. Uh, He says, the works of creation point us beyond themselves to God. So we're going to learn a lot about what it means that God is creator, um, that he is the first and true creator, and the attributes that that shows. Um, But a big thing that we're going to learn is that all of the good things that we get to enjoy as humans and as part of the world all are meant to point us back to God. So all the good gifts that God has given us are just reflections of his glory and his perfection. Um, And if we enjoy his gifts without 
knowing him, we, we can't really enjoy them to the fullest extent because they're all meant to lead us back to him. Um, so Romans 1.20 really paints the picture for the fact that God clearly shows himself in creation. This is a verse that many of you have probably heard before. Uh, it says, God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. John Calvin once said that there is not one spot in the universe wherein you cannot discern at least some sparks of his glory. So every part of the world showed God's glory in some way. Um, creation was made to serve God's pleasure. God created and saw that it was good and delighted in the things that he made. And Colossians 1.16 says that all things were created through him and for him. Um, another theologian, Herman Bavink, once said that the world is a mirror in which he in which we see his excellencies at play. And the last quote before I delve into the scripture is by Terry Johnson. He says, All that is lovely, excellent, and desirable in creation is but a reflection of the same of God himself. So every beautiful sunrise and sunset, everything that you enjoy, laughter with a friend or a good meal, uh, all of these things are meant to lead us back to praise God and see the beauty in him. God's works are his attributes in action, uh, is a quote I read when I saw this. So first I'm just going to take us through some of Psalm 104. Not the whole thing, but I really encourage you guys to go back and read the whole thing. Uh, it is a beautiful psalm, and it really, it, people have said that it's almost like the creation story in a psalm, because it just talks beautifully of God's, God creating things and his, uh, his involvement in them and how he provides for our enjoyment, which is really amazing. Um, so I'm going to take us through some of Psalm 104, and then I'm going to um, show us how God being creator mainly show us his power, wisdom, and goodness. Then we're just going to talk about three or sorry, three applications that you can take from this that are on your sheet. So follow along with me um, as we read some of these sections. So it's kind of some from the beginning, middle, and end of Psalm 104. And something to note before we get into this text is a, a key theme in Psalm 104, and I got this from the Reformation Study Bible as I was preparing, is that the psalm clearly shows the difference between the creation and between the creator. And that's something that's important because there are people that believe that God is part of creation. God is in water and God is in the tree and God is in the grass. And that is not the way that the Bible depicts it. Um, God clearly has power over creation and tells creation what to do. And so something that it's very clear in the psalm that creation is differentiated between from the creator. So we're going to start uh, in verse 1, read verse 1 through 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed in splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. So the psalm starts out with the psalmist calling himself to praise God 
um, and give him the praise that he deserves for being creator. It says that he's great. It says that he's clothed in splendor and majesty. And what's amazing about stretching out the heavens like a tent is it's showing that the ease, how easy it is for God to create. It's not hard at all for God to make things. Uh, there is an old pastor that once said, it, has, it is as easy to create a world as to move a feather, to uphold all things as to speak a word. So for God, creating the world was entirely easy. It, it was not hard for him at all. Going to verse 5 through 9, it says, He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At your rebuke, they fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. The mountains rose. The valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they might not again cover the earth. So another thing that we see here is God's control over creation, and that creation has a rhythm to it. It has an order, and that God clearly has set boundaries and markings in place for for creation. Uh, A famous quote that is often attributed to R.C. Sproul, is he says that there, is no, there are no maverick molecules running the course of the universe out of the scope of God's control. And that he's basically saying every molecule, every atom, every second of what takes place is all under God's control, which is amazing that there is an order and there is a symmetry to God's creation and his sovereignty over it. Moving down to verse 14, it says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. And this really shows God's provision for the things that in the people that he made. God doesn't just make things that are necessary, like oxygen and food. He could have made food to taste gross. He could have made everything gray. But what's amazing is that he also makes things for us to enjoy. Um, So much of creation is in place for us to enjoy, which is amazing because we don't deserve that. But he gives it to us anyways, and he takes pleasure in that. And he himself even enjoys creation. He doesn't just give what we need, but he gives what we would will delight in ultimately so that we will worship him and they will lead us to see how beautiful he is verse 24 through 28 O lord how manifold are your works in wisdom you have made them all the earth is full of your creatures here is the sea great and wide which teems with creatures innumerable living things both small and great there go the ships and leviathan which you formed to planet These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. Uh, So what's really cool here is everything that's happening is being attributed to God. It's saying, you open your hand and we're filled with good things. And later, I should have included this, but the verse will say, when you take away our breath, we're gone. Like it, it's saying God is the one that's sustaining all of this. He's the one that's giving us good. He's the one that causes us to be breathing. He's the sustainer of everything. And it's amazing that verse 26, it might be easy to kind of skip over that. But what's so cool about God making Leviathan is it shows his creative power. Like This is a sea creature. Just It says he literally formed him to play in the sea. 
And you might think, well, what's the point of that? But it's amazing that God is has that creativity. God cares about beauty, cares about creativity, cares about joy, and made that for his own pleasure, which is so amazing. And it's also worth noting, too, that it's talking about how God made all of these things in wisdom. Um, Proverbs 8.22 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, and that's wisdom personified talking. So everything God made was made with wisdom, uh, because the world is very complex, and there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and lastly, uh, verses 33 through 34, it says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. May my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. So just like the psalm opens with praise, it ends with praise. And that's what's fitting to do after you see God's beauty and creation and all that he has done. Um, so the psalmist's response is to praise the Lord for what he has made. And I encourage you all to go back and read the whole psalm. Um, but next, I just want to quickly talk about how creation specifically shows God's power and his wisdom and his goodness. So we saw that throughout the psalm. Um, a theologian noted especially it's those three things that God being creator shows us. Um, so power, we already spoke of that, but it's that nothing is too hard for God to make or create. I mean, think about the whole tornado stuff that just happened the other night. I mean, we didn't get a tornado, but tornadoes and crazy storms. And I mean, think about the most mind-blowing thing that you've seen in creation, and that is so powerful. And God, that's just a tiny reflection of God's character. Um, Jeremiah 32, verse 17, says, O Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So nothing is too hard for God to make. And just the power that is displayed in creation is barely a glimpse of of the power in God's character. The second is wisdom. Um, As we see, the universe is incredibly complex, and a lot of y'all are in high school science, so y'all are aware of some of what is taking place there. But even just thinking about the human body, it's amazing that all of, I'm not very scientific, so this isn't going to sound good, but all of the things inside of us work the way that they're supposed to, and God has has made it that way. Benji's laughing at me because he is very sciencey, and his mom is a science teacher, so she could explain this better, but but it's complex, right? And God, in wisdom, made it the way that he did, perfectly the way that he wanted it to be. Not to say that sin has not come in and messed things up, but even then, there's still, there's still so much beauty God has still left for us to see. And the third is God's goodness. Creation clearly shows God's goodness. Uh, as y'all most likely can recall, in Genesis, when God first made everything, he saw it and he said that it was good. Um, Matthew Henry is quoted as saying that God, as a tender father, considered not only Adam's profit, but his pleasure. So when God was making all of these things, he was not just thinking about what Adam needed, but also Adam's joy. And same with us, that the fact that we even, sometimes I think, like, the fact that we can even have taste buds is amazing. Like, everything could have just tasted the same, and everything could be great, and all of y'all could have the same exact personality, and you could all be like robots. But God created variety, and he created um, all different colors and different tastes, and we reflect him when we also create. 
Although our creation is really more taking already created things and making something out of them, where God is taking nothing and making something. Um, but we still reflect his character in that. And it's also amazing to me that God is concerned with beauty. I was listening to a, a podcast thing from Ligonier yesterday, and you know they're saying a lot of times we think, so if, have you all heard of like the good, true, and beautiful before James is nodding? Um, a lot of times, it, it's easy for us to think of the good and true. We think of things in terms of what's good, and we think of things in terms of what's true, um, especially if you've been raised in a Christian home or with a moral compass. But we forget that God also is concerned with beauty. God created beauty. Um, and it's really amazing when you think of that, that God cares about the beautiful as well. First uh, Timothy 6.17 says that God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And John Calvin, one of my favorite things he's ever said, is that there is not one blade of grass, there is not one color in this world that was not intended to make us rejoice. And what is so amazing about that is ultimately it's made to make us rejoice in God. So we're going to move to the application part now. And the first is that God cares about our enjoyment and our pleasure. And sometimes we don't think about that. Sometimes we think, oh, we're Christians. We just need to do the thing that's the most, whatever we don't want to do, that's probably the right thing to do, right? But that's not true. God cares about our enjoyment. And so my call to all of us is to consider what we enjoy and how we enjoy it. So are we enjoying things just for the enjoyment of them? Or do we enjoy things and think, God gave me this, and this is meant to lead back to praise Him. So, something that John Piper once said is that we are supposed to move into and through the gifts that God has given us, ultimately to Him. They're meant to lead us back to Him. Uh, And what can be dangerous is we can make idols of things when when the gifts God has given us are an end of themselves, and they terminate on themselves. So we think, uh, you know, take for example... Food, like if you, God could give you, think of a great steak and eating a great steak. That is meant to eat that steak. Like God is amazing. He gave this to me. He made this this taste. He provided this for me. It didn't have to taste this amazing, but it did. And this this is just part of who He is. Or you can eat so much steak that you're about to, you feel like you're gonna throw up, and you can make food an idol. <laughs> Um, and that's just a funny example, maybe. But in any of God's gifts, they can become an idol if we forget God is the one that gave to us. And the giver uh, is way better than, than the gifts themselves. And we actually will enjoy the gifts more, ironically, when we are using them the way they're meant to be used, when we're not making an idol out of them, when we're not overdoing it. We'll enjoy the gifts God's given us more when we when they lead us back to worship and delight in God. Um, Matt Chandler, he talks about this a lot too. It's a very John Piper thing as well about delighting in God. But he always says, you know, the things that we enjoy are meant to roll past uh, to the giver of those gifts instead of just the gifts themselves. And it very much reminds me of James 1.17 that says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So the second quick application or thing to consider is that God has a continued part in his creation. Uh, it's He has a relationship with his creation. 
So some people have the view that God just made the world and then kind of went backstage and that's it and his hands are off and he's not involved. But that's clearly in the psalm. We clearly see that's not true. I mean, the psalm's talking about how God provides for animals. And there's so much of scripture that says not even a sparrow falls to the ground without the will of God. Not the lilies of the field God clothes and cares about. God is intensely involved in his creation to the point that he became human, took on flesh, and came to live in this creation, and ultimately will fully redeem it one day. So it's, God cares deeply about the things that he has made, and we're called to steward those things well as his children. And thirdly, the last application is that a huge part of God being our creator is that he has the right to make rules and draw lines for what he has created. So it's just so crazy that when we're sinning, we're literally sinning with the breath that God himself gave us, and we think that we deserve certain things. We think that we have a right to whatever we want. God is the one that made us, and he has a right to tell us how to live. He has the complete right to do that, and I think we so often forget that when God made rules, still going to be a little bit. Um, but when God made rules and when God made guidelines for us, they're for our good. And in our culture, we do not see that anymore. I mean, our culture is screaming at you to make your own pathway, do what you want. Um, and that's where you'll find freedom is when you break the rules and break the mold. When actually scripture says no true freedom is found in a life lived in God's intended order. Ms. Travel and I just had a conversation about this the other day, um, that when God designs things, they're with your good in mind. All the rules and commandments in Scripture are not meant to make you miserable and not have fun. They are meant for you to flourish the best you can if you obey them, because God is your good Father, and He knows what is best for you. And, I mean, just an example of that is how God designed men and women differently. God made us equal. But he did make us with different roles, and um, that's a huge, huge thing in our culture now, as y'all are all aware of. I was listening to a podcast, and this girl was interviewing a man that, uh, he's in his 70s, he used to be a transgender woman, so he was he was man, and then was married, and had kids, I believe, and then he was like, oh, I want to be a woman. So he changed, and then God divorced and all this, and regretted it a lot. And he actually became a Christian, and he changed back to man. And now it's really fascinating that he literally spends his older adult life helping people who have made the transition, and a lot of them regret that because they're not living in the design that God made for them, and they think it's going to bring freedom. Uh, And in reality, it's even more confusing. Uh, and so he helps people now work through that and, and come out of that lifestyle. And, I mean, that, that might sound extreme or to us, but we, we turn away from God all the time when we sin. And we want our own way when we sin. Um, and I just want to read this quote from Terry Johnson. It says, Sin is a rejection of the Creator's plan for us, an attempt to create an alternative reality opposed to God's. The alternative reality is no reality at all, but an illusion, a phantom, a nightmare. The fish that refuses to be constrained by water, who finds it limiting and so flops out onto the land so that it can experience open air, 
does not experience freedom, but ruin. Freedom is found not in being and doing whatever I choose, but in developing and fully utilizing all that I was designed to be and do. Freedom is found in embracing the constraints, limitations, capacities, opportunities, and therefore the purpose of my design. So I think it's amazing to think that when God made the rules he made for us, it's with our good in mind. It's with our good in mind. And we will live the most freeing, freedom-filled life when we live within his beautiful design for us. Um, So the last thing I want to end us with is just consider, and and there are smaller questions on the back of your sheet, which will go into small group. We're going to watch a very short clip. Um, But just consider what you uh, find to be one of the most beautiful traits in creation and think about how that shows God's glory. Uh, That's something that you can think about this week. Maybe even consider some of your favorite gifts that you enjoy that God has given you. Um, And if you're using those gifts well, and how you can be utilizing them more for his glory. So we're, Jordan, thank you so much for pointing this up. We're going to watch a very quick video. It's like two minutes, and then...